Hi, I'm Justin King, and welcome to the Blue Chip Academy. As a five-star recruit, all-Big Ten corner, NFL vet, and Power 5 recruiting coordinator, I understand the emotions that go along with the recruiting process. The Blue Chip Academy is here to provide education, critical insights, and mentorship through the recruiting process for families and athletes alike. When athletes and their families have proper education and guidance, they're able to make better decisions and set themselves up for long-term success. Blue Chip Academy provides the resources and information that empowers athletes to create their own blue chip blueprint and take ownership of their careers. Blue Chip Academy exists because when athletes and their families are armed with the right information, they're able to make the decisions for themselves that positively impact their future. Again, I'll be your host, Justin King, and welcome to Blue Chip Academy. Welcome to Blue Chip Academy, the Blueprint to Success interview series, providing unique blueprints, tactical knowledge, and best practices to navigate critical points in the football ecosystem so athletes and parents can prepare a plan to a career path that any athlete can bank on. Today's episode, we've got uh, Texas A&M pass game, uh, not pass game, but run game coordinator and assistant head coach. Um, Elijah Robinson. And you guys don't know, Elijah is a, a friend of mine, former teammate at Penn State, someone that has kind of mastered the critical points and the mandatory pivots in the game of football de- delivers, right? And um, he turned football into a career that you can bake on, being one of the elite defensive coaches in the country. When it comes to recruiting, I mean, what's understood doesn't need to be said. He's elite. When you talk about elite recruiters, elite defensive coaches, you're talking about my man Elijah Robinson. We just want to welcome him to the Blueprint to Success. What's up, Eight? What's going on, bro? How you doing? How's everything, man? So I'm fresh off the plane, man. Fresh <laughs> off the plane, man. That recruiting thing. That's that's what we gotta do. That's what it is. Got a talent acquisition. Key to the game. Trying to steal a man at the house with the kids uh, before I head back in the morning in the morning, man. So I'm blessed yeah. everything's good though. Uh, awesome. The grind doesn't stop. So, man, you had a unique experience, a unique highlight on the ecosystem, man, from a player to off the field role and player development and then transitioning into coaching. What's one piece of advice that you would give to somebody that's getting into football for sustained success throughout the football ecosystem? I think the biggest thing is understanding there's no job that's too small or no job that's too big for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, You got to show your value, you know, the more you value uh, the more opportunities you'll get. So you can't get in this thing, man, and, you, and, and, and not stay humble. You got to stay man. humble. And you got to, like, stay ahead. You got you to have some initiative. Um, like I said, man, you just got to grind every day. Show your value. Absolutely. Showing your value, that's always a big piece of everything, man. Coming in, being low maintenance and showing your value in the places where, where, where it needs to be shown, right? Like bringing value in the proper places. So taking it back a little bit, to your playing days, we go through the recruiting process here at Blue Chip Academy. We try to give, you know, tactical insights, try to give those perspectives from, you know, our experience. So let's look at, you know, your time as an all-state player at Woodrow Wilson. How was your recruiting process? Well, I started off at the rival high school. Um, I kind of transitioned um, to Woodrow Wilson when it came to uh, just um, just safety issues for where I was in the city of Camden. Um, it was a little a little better situation for me where Woodrow Wilson uh, had some high school coaches that transitioned over there. Um, you know, and I, I uh, ended up moving with my aunt to a, you know, a better neighborhood uh, where I could go somewhere and focus on my academics, focus on my football. Uh, so I didn't know much about the recruiting process. Uh, I went to a camp <clears throat> going into my freshman year. 
after that they go to any more camps. You know, uh, wasn't a lot of guys that went to went D one or got recruited prior to my class. So I really know much about it, man. It's like the end of my junior year, and then I started to realize, like, man, this thing is real. Um, people, people really, really interested in you and uh, asked you to come on campus. And it was all new to me. Gotcha, gotcha. So when when you went to your first camp, when did you actually say like, okay, this process is getting serious? Was that when your junior year? I think my junior year, yeah, my junior year, like during my junior season is when I realized that, oh, it's coaches coming to practice. Okay. Uh, it's coaches okay. about the games, you know, and I, was like, okay. <laughs> I guess this is real, you know, but uh, prior to that, I had no idea. Okay, no idea. That's wild. And just, I mean, you just go through the different time periods. We interview different people and it's, I mean, it's just different answers from going through the recruiting process. Some people was just like, man, just start some parents are Googling, you know, some parent players didn't know anything. Did you play any, did you, were you a multi-sport athlete? Yeah. So I played uh, basketball and football. Um, okay. You know, I, I practice basketball. I, I come from Cam, Camden High School, man. They had some of the top talent in basketball. So after my freshman year, when I realized, you know what, this ain't going to be what I do. Um, you know, like I said, we we had we had workouts during the all season. So after my freshman year, I kind of stuck stuck to football. Okay, after freshman year, stuck to football. But guys, defensive linemen out there, you guys hear that man play basketball? He was hooping. We talked, we touched on, you know, how informed you were. You didn't really know much on going through the recruiting process. But when what did you base your decision on when you finally picked your school? Like, what were you kind of your the metrics that you were going based off of? Yeah, man. Like I said, being so being so like raw or not understand this recruitment process before this thing got serious. You know, I looked at the uniforms. I looked at, uh, okay, I thought I was going to be a running back. So, okay, who had big back? <laughs> uh, like, okay, this school like big backs. I'm going to this school. Like, this school like big middle linebackers. I'm going here. Then I started to realize, like, yeah, that's not what it's about. And uh, as I, I took visits and I went to see schools, you know, uh, I was in, you fell in love with the school where you had the most fun at. Uh, and then one day, I'll be honest, one day uh, it all changed for me when it came to beating Coach Johnson. And I realized, like, you know what, it ain't about the records. It's not about the uniform. I truly feel my gut this man's going to help me become a better man one day. And then I realized it was about relationships. So uh, I decided to go to Penn State based on the relationships I had with Coach Dorwood and Coach Johnson. Uh two men that was in my life that I thought could do nothing but better my life, either by mimicking them, uh, watching how they are around their families. or it's, it's something about those two guys that say, you know what, I need to put myself around those guys. That's major. I would definitely agree with those like powerful men. We talk about Coach Johnson and Coach Norwood and that aspect of just relationship. And we were talking about basing it on that next opportunity to fully develop yourself, right? Being that better person, like being a better E, if that is, that's what you're kind of saying. No doubt. And, that's what you were looking for in the recruiting process in that relationship that you found. That's that's strong because we talk about our decision to making a going to a school. It's, it's a 30, 40 decision, right? Like you want to have an investment. It's not a three or four year thing or just a stop. It's like, these are relationships that you have going into your career. We'll touch on those different things um, later in the interview. Were you thinking about post football career? I know you talked about developing yourself as a person, but were you thinking about being a coach? No, nah, I never considered. I never thought about being a coach, you know. Uh, I came in this thing, you know, all my eggs in one basket. I was going to the league and taking care of my family. Okay. <laughs> that, that's, all, that's all I thought about, you know. When I decided to uh, study crime law justice, I said, okay, well, this is something I know. 
come right. from Canada, and I'm like, well, I'll be able to put this together once I just learn the real terminology. I can relate it to back to my upbringing and, and where I'm from. So uh, it was interesting to me. Um, and I said, you know what? Maybe I'll go to law school and be a lawyer. Uh, oh. You know, that's that was my thought process, man. Go to law school, be a lawyer. Uh, but that all changed, man. Like you said, through the injury and the opportunities to continue my education as a grad assistant. Yeah. You know, here now. Oh man, that's awesome. We're going to go into that a little bit, a little bit uh, into the next next parts. But what was the best part of the recruiting process for you? Man, the relationships, uh, meeting people, um, you know, having an opportunity to see my mom go on the plane for the first time. Okay. Uh, and and, and see how proud she was to see people have interest in me and, and how highly they spoke of me and, uh, I think it was, it was actually seeing her be proud. And also my sister, because uh, my mom at the time, you know, she had open heart surgery. She couldn't finish the, the visits with me. Uh, so my older sister took some of these visits with me. But just have an opportunity, man, to, to let them stay in a nice hotel and let them uh, be, be catered to with steaks and lobsters and, and let them just see how proud they are uh, that their little brother or their son uh, was being sought after, man. So I enjoyed that part of it, to share that experience with them. Uh, then the other part is, man, just – been the time with the players, right. um, just from different walks of life, different different states, uh, and, and just gelling with those guys. Man, that's so that's so true, man. You, you meet a lot of people going through the recruiting process when you go on visits, places, learning about the different cultures at the schools that you go that you go to visit. And yeah. I mean, it gets kind of confusing when you're going through it. You know, I mean, some people get stressed out and all that different yeah. stuff. What was the worst part for you? Oh uh, man, the worst part was uh, telling the other coaches no. Yeah. You know, because you, you, you know, uh, I'm just a person that never want to let anybody down and you build relationships and these people are investing time and money coming to see you and um, giving a best shot at it, man. And for me, it was just like that I got to call and tell these people no. You know, that was the hardest part for me because uh, I built some good relationships with some people and, and I, unfortunately, I can only go to one school, you know, but uh, that was the hardest part for me. Right. It's like saying, like, I mean, the recruiting process makes guys grow up fast, right? Like, if you're in tunes the right way, you get your critical thinking skills, and you got to put your big boy pants on when you say, "Look, coach, I'm not, I'm not coming." I remember, I'm not gonna say the name because he's still coaching, but when I told somebody I wasn't coming, I was like, "All right, I'll see." Click. Thank you for that, man. <laughs> put in that two, three years of recruiting, and be like, "Hey, man, that's it." Yeah, makes you become a man fast. Oh, that's so true, man. What was the key takeaway that you would take that you would share with someone to better equip themselves like a 13-year-old kid getting ready to go into the recruiting process as a prospect? Yeah, I would just say, man, keep the main thing the main thing, man. Like uh write down what's important to you. Don't waste people's time. If you know, go with it. Uh if you don't know, use all your visits. But uh I think it's a different day and age from when we were being recruited to now. Right. If you have the opportunity to commit to a school, you better do it because half of those scholarships are being used for the portal, half is being used for high school kids, uh, and then some guys are being left out. You know, so if you know, go with it. You know, if you don't know, hopefully you're blessed enough that guys are gonna wait around for you. That that is as a key key piece right there, man. Just understanding the new landscape, the the current state of college football. Like he's saying, like the transfer portal, and different aspects, and going into the high level of recruiting, and some guys getting left out. 
just understanding that. And that kind of segues into our next topic is recruiting as an SEC coach. You know, recently 247 released that Texas A&M was on pace to finish with the highest rated class in the history of the composite ratings. And it was, you know, that's, that's pretty crazy when you think about it, like in the history of keeping track of that these guys have been racking up talent. And if anybody knows how the recruiting game goes, I mean, I see kind of what, you know, this guy goes when you start seeing on the, the rosters when there's guys from Philadelphia and, and, you know, College Station, you guys see like, man, what's going on here? How's this happening? What's the main trait that catches your attention when you're recruiting players? Man, you, you want to see the foundation they come from, uh, their home situation. Uh, what's the motivating factors of this kid? Uh, you know, is he a guy just loves recruiting or is there something that's going to motivate him to try to be great every day? Um, so that's the, that's the core piece of it. Obviously, you got to look for uh, the size, the athleticism, and, and the potential of what he can be. Uh, but I think outside of all that stuff, man, you got to see those, these kids, they have grit, um, how they're going to handle uh, failure, how they're going to handle success, um, and the people that surround them. That's a big part of it as well. What is the support group like? You know, they can be positive influence or bad influence. Right. Um, so there's a lot of things that go into it. You know, and, uh, they're all different. Um, you're not going to coach them all the same. You're not going to recruit them all the same. Um, but you just got to figure out, okay, what's the deciding factors for this kid? Who's the, who's helping to make these decisions um, right. and go from there? That's, that's that's really important that you talked about that. You talked about the main trait. You go, you went straight to internal. Like, I mean, get different people that, you know, say different things. But understanding the pure makeup of a player, I mean, you kind of can see what you can do with that, the malleability of it, whether how it'll take coaching, what what am I dealing with for three to four years? Like, I'm yeah. trying to talk to these guys. You know, there's certain critical factors. And, you know, sometimes they put a lot of value in that. But when we talk about the physical aspects, you know, Coach Robinson's a defensive line coach. When you talk about size and speed standards, you talk to me a little bit about that when you're looking for guys, like how important is, are the actual size and speed standards that guys actually need to possess? Yeah, I think I think uh, when you recruit guys, uh, I think you got to recruit to the conference you're playing in. Um, you got to recruit to the scheme you're playing in. Um, and, and what's fit like where these guys fit at in, in your scheme? So, um, you know, there's some conferences where you can have more of a developmental guy, um, and there's conferences where that developmental guy may never get a chance to develop because his body get broken up depending on the conference that he's playing in. Um, so, I think as you go through this process, um, you know, obviously for, for me on this level, the SEC, I think the best conference of ball right now, um, the closest thing to the next level. Um, Size is, a, size is a big thing for us. You know, got to have the length. Uh, got to have the, the got to have the grit. Got to have the bone structure um, to play defensive line in the SEC. Um, you know, height is a great thing as well. Um, but all you guys are not going to be the six five guys. So you can be shorter as long as you have length. And I say length to my long arms mm-hmm. um, and things like that. You know, I, I have no issue with having a six one D tackle if he has the length within, within his arms. Uh, and you love to have length on the edges uh, because sometimes those guys make plays by just being their size, you know. They right, may, right, right. They may Damn. not fall down, you know, they may get in the throwing lane. So uh, I think it's all about outside their size and athleticism and, and twitching those little things you look for. Uh, you got to make sure their makeup, their mental makeup is 
what you're looking for as well in that defense or offense, whatever that is you're coaching. Absolutely. You touched on the as like a, a concept that I think a lot of players miss when they're like looking for that best school. You said it like find that school that you fit and like kind of commit, right? Because even from when you're recruiting, you recruited, you said you recruited different depending on the school. You might not have the developmental time to get better here, right? Because people always like to throw out, oh, this player went here. He was a two-star and look at him in the NFL or this guy. And yeah. I'm like, well, it don't really work like that. Like it's coming out of college. You know, there's a there's a time clock on certain things. Can you talk to me a little bit about recruiting in the Big Twelve versus recruiting at the SEC versus at Temple? Um, you know, like you said, uh, I mentioned I spent more time at Temple uh, than I did just in the Big Twelve alone. Only spent one year there, but okay. uh, at Temple, you know, we look for size and speed. Mm. Everything else, we 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 had no issue taking the two hundred fifty pound. D-tackle, we say one day he'll be 300 pounds. Uh, we had no issue taking the 200-pound defensive end. We had to say one day he'll be 230, 240, 250. Uh, they had speed, twitch, or they had the body structure to put on weight. You know, we said, you know what, we're going to develop these guys. We'll put them in the oven when they get here, um, and they're going to end up being NFL draft picks. Um, now, you look at – I use that, for example. I look at Michael Dalby. Playing for the Arizona Corner. I look at Hassan Reddick, who was a Pro Bowl, first round draft pick uh, out of Temple. Matt Ionitis, man, I can go on for days. Like Quincy Roche, you know, like those guys that, hey, they might play linebacker, but let's move to DN. They might play DN, let's book them up, move them to D tackle. Uh, it was just all those projections based off body structure, size, and athletic ability. I think at the highest level, we get to SEC. Um, you're recruiting a different type of athlete. You're recruiting a different type of player. But you still have developmental players, without a doubt, but you can't have a roster full of them. Right. You know, so you're getting those guys, that 300-pound D-type that's already size, size <laughs> ready-made, uh, that has tremendous athletic ability, has tremendous power, uh, explosion, things like that. You're not – you start to develop the player and develop his skill set, but you're not developing as far as the body structure, if that makes sense. Yes, Absolutely. Um, so that that's I think that's the biggest thing. Like some places you can get those smaller guys and wait till they get big enough and develop them. Um, because they're gonna have developmental guys around that they're going against. Uh if you're a developmental guy that's trying to develop and you're going against guys that's already uh three hundred and thirty pounds, you know, and I'm a two hundred and fifty pound D tackle, the guards I'm seeing every day and practice are three thirty, my body might be beat up by the time I do develop. If <laughs> that makes sense. That does make sense. Yeah, absolutely. Man, coaches, players, recruiting coordinators, he's giving you a blueprint on how to build a program if you're at a Temple type of level or at the SEC, man, and just like some quality stuff. Because, like, you know, even when you talk about at Temple finding guys, how important is the camps, a kid's camp performance for where you're at now? Like, I know you got to see, like, the guys that you're recruiting in the SEC typically look a certain type of way on film, is the camp eval just as important versus how it was at Temple? I think, I think the camp eval is the most important. You Across get the chance, board? You get, you get the chance to trust your eyes. I think when kids, you know, when they come to camp, you know, those guys are, are, are coming to camp, you're working with them directly. Um, some of those things you can't see on film, uh, the way he handles coaching, uh, how many times you got to explain things. Right, that changes things. So you see guys that may not have a lot of offers coming prior to camp, 
and he may leave with an offer. And then you see a guy come into camp with a bunch of offers. Um, and maybe they, they don't take coaching well. Maybe they had to explain things over and over again. So it's, you know, it's like I said, it's hit or miss. But I, I tell the guy to, to help yourself come to camp. And even those guys that have, that's highly recruited, when they come to camp, you get to see who guys that love to compete. That's it, man. Who got the ball? Compete, you know, like we come to camp and nah, I ain't doing that. Like, okay, do you really love to compete? You know, really so to I think you, you get to see a you get to see a di- lot of different things, man. With it, but I think camp is really important. That's that's a that's something to drill in, guys. Man, you just get ready to go to camp, man. It's it's an opportunity. We talk about different things. I get a question sometimes about what's the most important camp circuit to go on. Is it the, you know, the elite circuit or get in front of coaches? And I always say, man, get in front of coaches at yeah. the end of the day because that's who you're gonna be. So you're gonna be working with. <laughs> and I, I actually go to camp. I think I think you got to be realistic. Okay, okay. Where am I at as a player? What camp should I go to? You know, like pick a few camps. You know, you want to pick an SEC. You want to pick a Big Ten. You want to pick a group of five. Like, get yourself some some different levels of camps you want to go to um, to help yourself out. You know, absolutely. What's the most costly mistake that you see prospects making going through the process? Um, following their friends. Um, one, one thing, like like I call and say, hey, I'll come here if my cousin can come. I don't come here if my brother. Like, neither one's going to have success. And so one guy's going to have success, the other guy's going to have success, you know, especially if they're close like that. So you got to go with fits you. Um, and also the thing that I see guys make mistakes on is, uh, like I said, it's not just not doing their homework, you know, just going somewhere and making decisions based off of just, not the main things, mm-hmm. you know, based off of, uh, I'm trying to think, trying to just think of examples, you know, like based off of like, just, you know, the recruiting talk, man. Mm-hmm. And, and never, and never doing it, they're not they're never doing their homework. Uh, never does the scheme fit, all those different things. Like, stop asking about how many guys you're going to sign. Like, you're going to have to compete wherever you go. <laughs> um, now, you're asking about schemes, that's a little bit different. Yeah, and things like that, you know, making decisions based on okay, what do I want to study? All those different things. But uh, like I said, man, just keep the main thing, the main thing. Keep the main thing, the main thing, and being uninformed. So don't focus on the wrong stuff. Worrying about what writer wrote about you, man. Get to it. Keep sharpening and get that thing right. I mean, talk about it throughout the process, throughout this interview, about how you evaluate the internal aspect of a player. So when we talk about how the kid's family goes into the evaluation process, you talk about that is like the main piece of your evaluation for real. Like where's that stock coming from? Because the question was, how much does a kid's family go into the evaluation process? Yeah, I think uh, it's a big part of it. Uh, I think you get you can't judge a kid. You, you, you have to be careful judging a kid based off his surroundings, uh, but you also have to be aware of it because yeah. it is going to play a factor in his life, whether good or bad. Um, I think open lines of communication is always going to be something that happens through the whole college career, um, and that's being on the same page. Uh, I think that's the way a kid has a chance to have success. The, 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 the family or the mentor or whatever, and the coach has to be on the same page. Uh, and the family and the mentors have to support the coach, uh, I think, is the, is the most important thing. Um, and like I said, but at the end of the day, you have to go and dig into that player and see his makeup and what does he want to achieve. 
Um, and, and as he's strong enough to, you know what, this is what I want to be. This is how I'm going to become it, you know, and, and then invest in that kid because it's investing our time and, and our love and our trust in the toolkit to help him try to get to where he wants to be. And I think you have to be careful judging him completely off of the surroundings, but also just be aware of it. Absolutely. That's a, that's a very important part because it's like you have to have critical thinking skills when you're evaluating the different situations. And for families, understanding that you can be an asset, be an asset to the prospect. Don't be a liability. Help build up, help guide him, put the furniture in the right way for, for a saying to make the focus a little easier. You know what I mean? So yeah. as we continue to transition in talking about recruiting players at a young age, the SEC is typically, you know, you see this is, guys are one of the universities or schools that recruit guys early, right? You get to give out offers in ninth, 10th grade. Can you take me through a little bit of what you need to see from a ninth grader to get an offer versus an 11th or 12th grader? I think it's, like I said, it all goes back to the skill set. Skill set. Oh, uh, the skill set, you know, and, and understanding the development of a young a young freshman compared to a junior, uh, where that junior may be somewhat a little better, but, you know, is he – is that freshman right on par with, with those older guys? Uh, so I think you, there's a few things you watch for us for a young guy, you know, what he can't be whereas he's working towards uh, versus the older guy. And like I said, it all, it all depends too. Like, where are you at with your roster? What do you need? Um, yeah. and, and how selective are you being at each position? That's right. Yep. 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 We'll take a quick break. We do a little read right here, a little LIG read. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Just one. This episode of Blue Chip Academy Blueprint to Success is brought to you by LIG Sports Group. It's a football operations strategy and consulting group helping you master the critical points in the football ecosystem, starting from the recruiting process up to the transition out into the ascension points, whether you're a coach looking for the next job or administration looking for their next coach or just looking to transition into, you know, your next career field as a player. So LIG Sports Group. Sponsored this episode, and we will get back into the critical insights and specific knowledge through the transition that Coach Robinson went through. Back at it, man. So now we're getting back into the critical insights throughout the transition. We always talk about how that thing happens. You know, you touched on getting injured earlier. How was the transition from the game for you? Oh, man. I think it was probably one of the tougher. Uh transitions I'd rather have, you know, you, like I said, you go through, uh, put on your eggs in one basket, you know, all our dreams, uh, dreams and hopes is to play the next level, um, since we were kids. And then that opportunity goes away at the blink of an eye. Um, so it's tough, man. So you saw that support system. And I go back to saying when I made a decision about coming to Penn State, it was about two gentlemen that, uh, Maybe flag I needed them in my life, and I think there was big parts of helping me get through that transition. Um, so, so the biggest thing for me, man, was just at some point just getting uh getting the support that you know life goes on, and, and, and that uh, that wasn't the end for me. Uh, and, and when I had that support from from roommates, teammates, you know, and coaches on staff, um, that helped me. That helped me through the transition. But it was hard at first. Absolutely. You didn't exactly touch on it, but I was on the field when it happened. But Elijah, his career, the transition happened based on an injury. 
Um, you want to talk about the injury or at all? Yeah, that's fine. Like, uh, so, uh, man, I still remember spring ball practice. Uh, I was on the can't, field. Can't, can't remember the exact play, but I just remember uh, feeling all. I just remember. I remember falling down. Like, I like it took forever for me to hit the ground. Um, I remember lifting my head up and then feeling everything completely go numb. You know, and I have any feeling whatsoever from the neck down. Um, I still know to this day, Chris Baker yelling, "He get up!" And uh, but it's like he was far away and standing right over me. So um, then I just remember hearing the ambulance come and everything getting cut off, me put on the stretcher and being taken to the hospital, man. And um, having a spinal spinal stenosis uh, was what they said was the issue. And uh, I just remember. That day that uh, Coach Paterno told me, you know, it's best that you don't play anymore. That's the safest thing for you. Uh, right. That moment at 18 years old, that's not what I wanted to hear. Uh, so, you know, I remember starving out and going and to my room and, and crying, crying, man. Just locked, my, locked myself to my room and cried yeah. until uh, I had, like I said, I had my roommates to kind of come and try to help me get through this day. I, and it's crazy because I think that was like a real moment, like for all, like for for me, for it was it was like my real that was like my intro to college football because I want to say that was my spring that I got there. You know what I mean? When I was because I was, well, it was like the so. next spring, so it was like my first one yeah, half it was your year. second your second your second spring yeah. second spring, but it was a, like all our our freshman guys like that real reality check of like oh, this is. Real stuff happens out here, and practice keeps going. Because I know Cass yeah. was shooking up, shooking up a little bit. Because it was like move up fifteen yeah. when it happened. It's like that's the real, like the real life aspect of college football. And when I know, got to keep going. And we will talk about it even more. Just always admire how you leaned into the transition. I know it was, I mean, it, it was taken from you, right? Like just talking about the next steps. Like so, you get hurt. What are the first transition jobs when you get done? Oh man! Uh, so I got hurt. I remember uh, talking to Coach Paterno on those guys about coming back being a student assistant. Well, so I helped out at practice, helped out with the scout team. I remember I helped out with uh, tackles and tight ends first. You know, with Bill Kitty, and um, mm-hmm. I was at a student assistant, and then we were graduating, and uh, was asked to come back as a GA. You know, and at the time, was no football positions open, so. I actually started off my career at GA with the academics. And I did a semester with Todd Coca and those guys in academics. I did whatever I had to do to just try to stick around so it was room for me to move up to the football right. world. So I GA with the academics first and then uh had an opportunity to move up to football and the GA there and that's kinda of where it all started, man. But uh I just like I said, was patient. I think I got the opportunities to be a GA based upon the things that I've done. As an undergrad, you know, hosting players and, and just always being available for player panel, uh, always being available to like show people around. Uh, like I said, it was no job too big and no job too small. And I think right, that, right. that helped me get the job that I got as a GA. I'll definitely say that you used to kill it on the player panel. I'll, I'll admit now that like he was the he was like the star of my official visit at Penn State. They have the player panel, have the players come out, tell their stories, and uh, you know I going to different places and people were telling, telling her stories. And the one thing that was different about ease was it was like, it was just a real story. He didn't, he wasn't given a cookie cutter 
Like, oh, it's been great. It was like, oh, I was homesick. I was this. And my mom was like, he's real. He's real. Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I mean, that's what's up. But then I remember after the game of my OV, it's like, oh, you had some wings over. I was like, yeah, it's, it's cool up here, man. So, yeah, he did a great job recruiting even as a player before that. So he, he had a lot of credit, a lot, of, a lot to do with me coming up there. So when you were making that transition and trying those different things, man, that's different, right? You get the game taken away from you at 18, 19 years old. You know, you're from Camden, you're at Penn State now. And you're trying to figure out those next steps. You, you became a GA, started working in football. And then you say you became in the academics role. And then it's like player, player development. And then back in like all these different roles within sports, yes. which attributes or traits did you lean on during your from your playing days to make those transitions in those different roles man i just leaned on uh you know just the grind uh like, like i said just every day try to out, outwork people no matter what yeah. it's still was about competing for me uh wanting to be the best uh and whatever i've done like if they wanted me to stock paper you know i want to be the best at doing that you know i i just like i said i wanted to be the best at my job that they gave me and i figured that would be my way to continue to climb um, and I was like, so I was grateful because that, that was, that's the position. Everyone wanted to get into that position. Um, just to be able to build a staff at Penn State and uh, whatever they gave me, I tried to kill it to get to the next the next job. Um, and then when I got that job, I tried to kill it again. I still remember uh, when Coach O'Brien came in and he didn't have an on-the-field role for me right away. So I remember being a player development guy that also, you know, I ran around like, like as a referee during practice. <laughs> you know, I still, I yeah. still got a make believe flag that I made out of a yellow scout team jersey. I still got it hanging up in my office just right. to re- make me remember, like this is where you came from. This is how you grind to get where you are. Um, so it's just like I said, man. Just as as, as players and athletes, like, it should always be about competing. And I think that's that's the true uh, trait that helps us when we go into the working force. Absolutely. Putting those blocks in place to be able to operate in that space of competitive nature, right? Where you're like, all right, I can do this. I'm here. I'm my career's closed, and I can put the gas on the next thing. So it's like you make that step. You're off the field, and you make the transition on the field. So we're going to talk about you know the the, the journey from those off the field roles to becoming an on the field coach. Can we talk? Yeah. Do you talk? Take me a little bit through that because that's a that's a process that a lot of guys get lost from kind of step out of the industry. I mean, it can get tricky. You know what I mean? Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, so when I had to take those off the field roles, you know, I never stopped uh, watching film. <clears throat> I never stopped breaking teams down. Um, I, you know, I continue to watch them. I continue to um, study O-line. I continue to study offices. I just did things and took notes of my own um, to kind of keep me engaged in that part of it. Um, I, you know, I still did clinics, you know, I, uh, still sat in position meetings, you know, just to hear what was going on. So I just kept myself around as much as possible. You know, if I had to get into the office early to make sure my work was done to be able to sit into sit in a, 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 a staff meeting on defense or sit in a position meeting earlier, later on that day. Um, that's just what I did, man. I didn't allow myself to not continue to focus on the main thing was for me being a position coach. Um, so it may took for me to stay later or come in earlier to get my work done, to be able to stay involved with the other things on the field role. 
That's so that's so key because I mean it makes those it makes the transition once you're on the road and then it obviously shows when you produce whether it's in recruiting producing with players developing going to NFL from different programs Texas A&M Baylor Temple you know what I mean the impact of the, the mentoring and everything at Penn State and helping coach there yeah. so now you know you're at Texas A&M you know juggernaut your top top school top recruiting class, all those different type of accolades that come with a place like that. What's the what's the ideal personality type or player that would lend well following your post-career path to an assistant head coach at Texas a Man, I'm going to always look for the guy that knew how to take notes, mm. um, the guy that was the one time, um, the guy that did things the right way. Um, and also, was they good leaders? Right. You know, were they good leaders at practice? Were they good leaders when things went right, when things went wrong? Um, were they grinders? Because like I said, this profession, you got to grind. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you don't know, grind this profession, will be in long. So I look for a lot of things. Like, again, did they host recruits? <laughs> you know, um, yeah. did they do player panel? How did they treat people in the building? Um because at the end of the day, you have to be you have to, if you don't be able to recruit at the college level, I don't matter what you know if you don't got the players. Um, so I'm gonna see how they interact with people, do they respect people, uh, do people like them? Um, how do they carry themselves? You know, did they take notes at, at position meetings? Were they on time? Like all the little things, right, matter. So how do they handle all the little things when they were a player? That would be without that would be without based off like hiring a guy and getting into this to this profession. That doesn't matter. They can now they could have probably played zero snaps ever. But all the other intangibles are important. That's key. Fellas, like you guys coming up that want to be coaches and things of that nature and having awareness of where the end of your career may be. Man, I've seen like a clip today of you know Sean McVay running around doing high school clips or whatever the case may be. And you got Coach Robinson telling us now like you know be on be on point. Be a professional while you're in, in there. Like, if you want to be a coach, you can go into your studies. Be, like, doing things the right way. Showing that you can, that you have interest in the recruiting process. Being being where your feet are at the at the universities and things like that. So that the coaches and you can build that pure relationship when you do make that transition out. That you have an advocate for you, right? Because, like, at the end of the day, coaches is about relationships. And so he mentioned earlier about young coaches, specifically in off the field roles, looking to get on the field, do your work to make sure you can do the football work. And that's kind of the key of moving from off the field roles to on the field. So like you've been killing it this whole time. I mean, in your your career, you got off the field experience, on the field experience. And what's the career end goal, man? Oh, man. (laughs) You know, for me, What's been working for me so far has been uh, each opportunity I get, try to be the best at that, you know. Um, and every time I was grinding at being the best of where I was at, promotions happen, raises happen, opportunities happen for me. Um, so I just try to grind out, man, where I'm at. You know, at the end of the day, my aspirations is to be a head coach and have an opportunity to run my own program and, uh, develop a staff and develop a young, uh, some young coaches and be able to bring 
older coaches that you know that was influences in my life, bring them back with my staff, and I do want to run my own program one day and be a head coach in this whole thing. You know, <clears throat> like I said the, the, I'm gonna go back to the last question you asked about these young coaches. Uh, I think it's two type, it's two type of abilities that can help these guys, and I think the two things is this: it's dependability and availability. Mm. All right. Those most important abilities that I'm really looking for as I build my staff. Those are the most important abilities I'm looking for uh, as I write a letter of recommendation. Uh, those are the two important abilities I'm gonna look for as I recruit recruit a kid. Like, is he dependable and is he available? You know, and I, I think those are the most important things, man. I'm sorry to go back on that, but no, I, that's I, good. I, I missed that, but yeah, my end goal is man to be a head coach uh, and, and run my own program. No, that's perfect, man. And like you said, being available and dependable, man, that is that, that is key. Because, like, again, we talk about it. I would talk about it to other guys, man. You have to have trust. Like, guys have to trust you. It gets hot in these kitchens when you're talking about coaching, when you're talking about playing at in the SEC level, when you're talking about a coach, you know, put, putting their – putting their salary on the line to bring you onto their program and, and kind of and develop you to reach your goals. So, man, that was a lot of value-packed information, man, for young coaches, man, recruiting coordinators. You got one of the top recruiting guys in the country on the show here and top defensive coaches. And like you said, end goal of being head coach as he's trending, that's kind of the way it's going. So, man, thank you, E, for coming appreciate on, Coach you. Robinson, man. really appreciate it. Everything you guys like, subscribe to – uh, the Blue Chip Academy YouTube podcast. Download the Blue Chip Blueprint uh, recruiting checklist to make sure that you're informed. Like Coach Robinson said, one of the main things players go through is just kind of, kind of going through the process with their head in the clouds and making uninformed decisions. And that's not what we want to do. We want to treat this thing like a business and make sure you set yourself up for the next 30, 40 years, man. And use football as a catalyst to a career that you can bank on. Thanks again. Life is good. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, boss. Yep. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Blue Chip Academy. To help navigate the recruiting waters, LIG Sports Group put together a Blue Chip recruiting checklist. Download your checklist at LIGsports.com Blue Chip Academy to ensure you're making informed decisions through this process. Hit subscribe and check out the LIG Sports Group Football Ops Recruiting YouTube channel, where we'll talk about the recruiting and other critical points in the football ecosystem. If you're feeling stressed, confused, or just want help putting together a blue chip blueprint for you and your son, don't hesitate to book a console call with me at LIGsports.com backslash Blue Chip Academy. Remember, everyone has a different journey. Keep sharpening and remember that you can only go to one school. Just make sure that you have your blue chip blueprint together and execute it. Life is good.